This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yesterday, after hearing hours of victims' impact statements, Alex Murdaugh apologized to his victims in his financial fraud case sentencing hearing. However, was his contrition sincere, or is this just a warm-up for what might be a potential retrial in the murder case against him? Murdaugh was convicted on March 2nd, 2023, of taking the life of his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. I'm Collier Landry. Let's get into it. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial. When I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. I decided at an early age that our trauma should not be what defines us. It's what we choose to do with it that does. I'm here to share my unique perspective on true crime, mental health, society, and popular culture, albeit with a slight sense of humor. I'm Collier Landry, and welcome to my show. Live on a Wednesday from Los Angeles, it's the Collier Landry Show. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening or watching, thanks for making me a part of your day. This is a show where I move beyond the headlines and offer you guys my unique perspective on true crime, mental health, society and culture, and albeit with a slight sense of humor. So, welcome. Uh, I fumbled through that whole thing because um, I'm not wearing my glasses, but I have good news, Mover Nation. I am getting the LASIK surgery, and I am very, very, very excited about it. You have absolutely no idea. So in a few weeks, I will be able to hopefully read all of these comments very easily without glasses. But I fumbled through it, so I apologize. Anyways, welcome, Mover Nation. What an interesting scenario that played out yesterday in the courtrooms of South Carolina. I feel like we say that a lot when it comes to the Murdaugh's. This case, it just keeps going. And it's just, the web of deception is absolutely insane to me. But it hits home a lot as someone who is a survivor of a homicide of my mother by my father. This case really resonates with me. So yesterday, he was, um, he had his sentencing hearing for this fr financial fraud trial because he had built, you know, something like eight or nine million dollars out of his clients. Financial fraud, insurance fraud, you name it. And um, it was really, really interesting to see and hear some things because I went into it with a, you know, a mild bit of skepticism to say the least. But um, as I listened to him, I started hearing, okay, well, maybe there's a little bit of contrition. And then I sort of changed the, so the car sort of veered off the freeway a little bit. And I said, ah, maybe not so fast. Maybe not so fast, Alec Murdaugh. Um, it could all be a ruse. Is he potentially expecting a new trial? So I want to play a little bit, but um, <laughs> Karen Fan says, never thought I'd be tired of hearing about my home state. Yeah, really, right? Um, of all the places, of all, uh, you know, of all the... Um, of all the things to be known for, unfortunately, this is what it is. But he, he showed a lot of contrition, which I thought, I think probably it took a lot of people aback. It took me aback. I thought, oh, maybe there's something to this where, um, you know, he's really sorry, which I do in a sense think 
It is. And let me, let me go back. So when I look at these types of things and I see this, this sentencing hearing and the victims being allowed to, to attend and give victims impact statements and speak out um, on what he is, what the crimes that he perpetrated on them. Now, to his credit, he did not, as soon as he was, he pled out, he pled guilty for all of this. He didn't put the state through another trial and things of that nature, which I would have thought maybe he would have done because, you know, he is a lawyer. He has a long history as a litigator and, and as a lawyer in South Carolina, as is his family. I thought maybe the sort of getting back into the courtroom might be something that would sort of be in his, um, that he would you know, want or aspire to have happen because it seems like when you watch the video, he's quite at home in the courtroom. And obviously he spent many, many decades there. Um, and his family's photos, I believe, still hang in the same courthouse, if I'm not mistaken. But to say the least, um, it was it was interesting because he, and I'm going to get to a few points. We're going to play this. We're going to get to a few points. But um yeah, a lot of things spoke out to me immediately. And my my temperature sort of changed as I watched him speak. And I did uh, I did not watch the whole 5 hours of the trial, or I'm sorry, of the um of the hearing itself, but I did watch him and I was pretty there's some moments that I find a lot of similarities with with my father. But again, the victims having a chance to speak and speak up and be able to face the monster in court is a big part of healing. And that's really what this is all about. It's all about healing. So, you know, forget him, forget, forget anything else. It's about them. It's about them getting this closure. And I feel like he gave them a little bit of dignity, albeit with a little bit of, eh, we'll see. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to play this and um, we'll talk about it. This is the intro. Now, I did like this part where they did uncuff him. Thank you, Your Honor. Is this working? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. Let me see if this up. Thank you, So, first thing I want to say is I do, I do appreciate the court not making him stand there in handcuffs, letting him take them off. It was very big of them. They could have made him stand there like a criminal. And I feel like in that way, it was very necessary for him to be able to convey and for the people that he has victimized to be able to see him as a human being, because it's very difficult, obviously, given the situations to see him as a human being. But I feel like that was very necessary for them for them to be able to have those real human moments um, with him uh, as he apologizes and as he explains himself. But then there's sort of some left turns, which I'll get into in a second. But um, I, I, did, I did appreciate that for sure. And we, Having a hand free would be helpful, but I can handle it without it. Um, you know, and you can tell he was at one time very charming and probably charmed the courtroom and did the whole thing. And, you know, um, you know, he seemed to really like what he did as a lawyer, for sure. Thank you. Yes, sir. Um, 
I want all of each of you that spoke uh, to know that I listened to you. I heard you. Your pain and your hurt is palpable. I get it. It's reasonable. And I promise you that it resonates with me. I understand it. I hope that the time will come when you can look back and know that despite the things that I did, that I care about each one of you. Because I do. I did terrible things. Each of you placed your trust in me. I was very proud of that. And I'm still today honored by that fact that I deceived each of you. Terribly. I did terrible things. Things that I'm thinking about right now. So these are people that he lived in his community with, that he later talks about he went to high school with and, and, and school with and knew their families so well and went fishing and had these life experiences. So the, these people have history, like massive history, which I think is, is very, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say unique, but in, in this situation, because the town is so small and all of these people are right there, it, it is, it is probably as hard as it is for them to have been victimized. It's also, I think, very cathartic for them because they had that connection from before when it started. And now he's, you know, being sentenced and he's convicted. He was convicted of his wife and son's murder, which he gets into, which is what I'm very interested in because it's this whole other thing that, that, that to me is like, ah, oh, okay, here's, here's a little bit of grandstanding, but he, uh, you know, it does give them an opportunity to connect with them. And this is again, all about the victims, all about the families that have been victimized here. You know, this is a financial crime. These were, these people's worlds have been turned upside down. This entire town has had its world turned upside down. It's terrible, but they get, they're getting this little bit of closure that not a lot of people ever get and, and, a, and a chance to speak up as well, which is very, very cool, by the way, very, very cool. Uh, because as uncool as the situation is to be able to have that catharsis, to be able to have that sort of, uh, that, that release that, um, you know, that closure, if you will, um, is so key to healing and moving on. But I want to get into some of the things that he says because um, it's interesting. Caused me to be hurt. Caused me to be disturbed. It is so important to me that you know how bothered that I am by the things that I did. Okay, this is a good start. He's bothered by the things that he did. Okay. That's important to me. After hours, days, weeks, months of self-reflection, I know now that I took more and more and more pills because I was hiding or attempting to hide 
from the reality of the things that I was doing to all of you. Now, here's where I began to take, this is tough because, you know, I had talked about in another previous video about the elephant in the room and the Murdoch trial and, and how maybe addiction played a role in his, in his murder trial in his committing of the murders against Maggie and Paul. But, um, you know, again, you, you know, and I had said, well, did addiction play a part in this? And then I had Dr. Kenny Kinsey on here who explained to me, uh, because he was one of the, he was one of the key witnesses in the trial and, and received a lot of notoriety for his fantastic work that he did with SLED and, and law enforcement down there. And, um, he, uh, he had mentioned how Alec Murdoch was a complete, a, a very good trial lawyer and very like excellent in the courtroom and how he could be an addict and be able to hold that composure in court. He just doesn't, he didn't buy himself because Judge Newman had said at the sentencing had addressed his substance abuse and usage issues with the opioids and the opiates. And I thought, well, that, that, sounds, that sounds like a very valid thing to me. But, but Kenny corrected me and said, hey, look, th this isn't quite the case here. So it's interesting to see him bring this back to him. But again, this is how this behavior is. But this isn't the most interesting part. I, I know I know I took more, more pills because I was hiding. I have, I have special recollections of my interactions with each one of you outside of the terrible things that I did. So again, he's establishing this human boundary. He, he pauses a lot, by the way. I apologize, but uh, I can talk over him. <laughs> JJ. So he addresses all these people in the courtroom. Obviously, this is his opening thing. As to you as anybody, I still do. As anybody I can think of. We grew up together. But this guy, JJ, he talks about. And this must be JJ, JJ by the way. JJ, we hunted and fished <clears throat> together, alone all over the low country and i mean i think we've talked to each other about everything that's important to both of us and here you can see you know this man is crying because he's obviously he's emotional because they had this massive connection and he and he has this you know he 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 still feels connected to him right and this is something that's interesting when you talk about victims of crime and, and perpetrators and how perpetrators get away with a lot of this stuff. Because a normal person who is an empath, and I'm not here to diagnose everyone. Look, I don't, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, uh, I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a guy who's been through a lot of shit. But you connect with your perpetrator a lot of ways, like Stockholm system or Stockholm, <laughs> find your words, call your Stockholm syndrome. And you know, he's, he, he still has this connection. So it's not, it's just about the violation that this man had, but also this human connection that they have. And I, that's why I think that this is so key that they're able to sit here and listen to him. And man, I hate the things that I did. 
My daddies were the best of friends. I mean, I mean it. When I say that I care about you, as hypocritical as that seems in light of the things I did, it is so very true. I did care about each of you, and I still care about each of you. Um, Michelle, I can't think of a bad day that a hug from Miss Carrie and a kiss from Miss Carrie that she would always give when I would see the two of you, because I never saw one without the other, that that wouldn't make better. And it was usually accompanied by some sage advice. And this is why he's so good. This is why he was such a good litigator. This is why people trusted him because he's so good. Like the way he's teeing all of this up. Look, this thing goes on for 50 minutes. The way he tees this whole thing up is it's like he should be given an Oscar. It's, it's incredible to me that he's um, the way he tees all of this up and he's, he's already like, he's got me emotionally engaged. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, he cares about them. JJ. But you'll see. It, 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 now it gets interesting. For words of wisdom that were always so perfectly appropriate for whatever was going the on. Words of wisdom. And I truly love her and I love you. And I am so sorry. Um, there's so many others that aren't here today um, that I hope will listen or be listening one day like Dion, Dion's daddy, one of my dearest friends. I can still remember going to Dion's graduation, spending time with him. One more thing, JJ, going back, I do want to tell you. And here's the rub. Here's the rub. So I'm watching this thing, and I'm kind of feeling, I'm feeling bad for everyone involved including a little bit of Alec. And here's the rub. Then it hits me and I'm like, there you go. To how close I feel to you. My wife loved you. And you are absolutely right about everything you said. But you are dead wrong about one thing. And I would never hurt Maggie and I would never hurt Paul. And it is important to me that you know that. Because she did love you. And I hope you know that. I would never hurt Maggie, and I would never hurt Paul. So this to me, when I saw this and I was, and I was listening to it, and I thought, here might be the crux of the whole thing. Here he's back in court, and here he's back in saying, I'm innocent. It was a setup. It was this and that, whatever. And he gets into it later. And I thought, you know, this is something that my father would pull, for sure. You know, this is the, this is the, the blame, the blame shifting, you know, he's teed up with, okay, pills. I'm sorry. I loved you guys. They loved, you know, you loved my wife. She loved you. And my father would often do this in letters that you guys, you know, I've read on the show before I continue to read where he'll, he'll talk about my mother in like the third person 
or how she was loved. And you're, and you're thinking to yourself, if you, you murdered someone, you took that person's life. Now all of a sudden you have this like affection or this affection for how the world perceived them and how special and uh, what a light they were. So then therefore this is where you're going to, this is your talking point. It's very, very interesting and very, very insidious in a lot of ways. And I want to believe that this is sincere and I hope, and I do believe that the, that part of this is there is a sincere, there is a, there is a level of sincerity here. I do believe that he sincerely feels bad for doing what he did to the people who are sitting before him in the courtroom. And I do believe that that he he feels bad because he was he had been victimizing them for a long time, and he's realizing at this moment the gravity of his situation. At the same time, he's also realizing the gravity of his situation that maybe with all this kerfuffle and hoopla that's going on with this with this Becky Hill and now her son getting arrested, and there's this talk about, look, no one's been charged as far as Becky Hill is concerned or, or jury tampering or any of that, but it's all in speculation. Is this all a ploy for Alec Murdoch to get back in front of the public to soften his image a little bit, and to plant those seeds of doubt heading into potentially what could be a retrial. That's what I want to know. That's where my head went as soon as I heard this. I thought, okay, he's teeing this up. And he talks about it later as well. And, you know, he... It just feels, it just stinks. <laughs> Something smells. Something's rotten in Denmark here. Because, you know, he is using this as a moment, I believe, to manipulate all of us and to manipulate the, you know, the Colleton County population and, and all of these people that are in the community. Like, look, I'm not such a bad guy after all, because here I am apologizing. And here I am, I voluntarily pled guilty and didn't put the, put the county or the city or the community through another trial, right? But I'm here to remind you, I'm still the same good old guy you knew before. Here I am. I'm Alec Murdaugh and I'm a great guy, even though I murdered my, you know, I'm convicted of murdering my wife and son, son and have stolen all this money from these people and just conducted heinous, abhorrent behavior that took his whole family down. This is what this feels like to me. Now, I want to know what you guys think in the comments below because I think I think that, I, I feel like this is a, a massive crescendo um, or, or it's very calculated. And look, he could be, you know, he could have been planning this for a long time and maybe that's why this is so well scripted. This to me feels like his lawyer's, came in and said, buddy, this is your opportunity. We have some things maybe going our way and momentum. Maybe there's an appeal. Maybe there's a uh, cause for a retrial. We're going to go in. You need to give the performance of a lifetime right now. I don't know. It just feels odd to me. It just feels and odd. I hope you know that I mean what I say here today. Um... Jamie Bishop, man, Damien's uncle, 
and daddy were as close to me and my daddy as people can be. Um, so I, I would tend to agree. I think that this is all, I think he does feel sorry because he got caught. I think, but he, as he's seeing the faces, he feels bad because he's seeing the human effect of it. I, I believe there's a little bit of, of, of something there, but I believe it's all rooted around, but I got caught. I'll apologize now that I got caught. Again, I feel like this is a whole contrived situation where his lawyers are like, you need to go in there and put on the best face possible. Old Lady Sim says, I have a tender heart. I enjoyed seeing him say those things, even if it was a performance, but I get the insincerity vibe a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And look, this is, a, this is, this is absolutely, you know, I want the victims and the families to, to recognize that he's sincerely apologizing to them. But I do feel like this is a little bit of a tee up into what could potentially be his magnum opus or his, you know, his one chance to look good in front of everyone and to remind them what a good guy he is and what a good guy is and, and, and that he fell victim to his own addictions. That's my sort of point here. Yeah, he, and he does have nothing but time to rehearse any of this. I had to watch his statement in, in bits and pieces because, because I have a hard time seeing the sincerity at all. Yeah, I agree with that. I have so much empathy. I'm putting it away in a blanket box away from this man. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's, um, it is the believe me, please are, are designed. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would concur for sure. Daddy and all these innocent child words from him makes my skin crawl. Yes. And this is the same thing that my father does where he'll do this whole act of like mommy. He calls my mom, mommy, mommy, mommy. And it's this, it's just very bizarre to me, this behavior. Um, again, this manipulation of, Hey, I am, Hey, I am a good guy. I am the Alec Murdoch that you guys all grew up with that we went fishing with. And I'm sorry that I stole your money. I was addicted to drugs and I'm sorry that I was convicted of, of murdering my wife and son because I didn't do it. I didn't harm them. Yeah. So let's play more of this because it gets more and more interesting. And he does say something that I do feel is somewhat important to his son Buster. But yeah, he goes into this whole, he went to elementary school, Uncle Ginger. I went to elementary school, middle school, high school with your aunts and your uncles, Ginger. How many classes did we have? I mean, I've grown up with you guys. I mean, Tony, you, and I mean, look at this. He's calling them out by name. Tony, you, you know, Brian, Bubba. He's, he's talking, JJ. He's naming their children. He's really like this performance is, is, is miraculous. <laughs> he deserves an Academy Award in a lot of ways. Brian and Gloria. And part of this is you want to believe him, too. You want to believe him. I mean that. Because you want to get over it. As hypocritical as that sounds, and me saying it, as hypocritical as it sounds, it is the absolute truth. That does bring me to a point, and I will say that, I say to Mr. Um, <coughs> Mr. Bland, 
Maggie and I raised our two boys with input from her mom and dad and input from my mom and dad. But we are the people who raised those boys and us alone. With the help of my sister. Now, with that being said, Eric, with that being said, there is no person, no person period, that was more important to my family than Gloria was. So he was addressing attorney Eric Bland, who I've been on Surviving the Survivor with, who um, is representing Gloria Satterfield's family, and I believe also Mallory Beach's family, maybe, perhaps, I might be mistaken in that, but the Satterfelds, for sure, in this matter, and he had a fiery exchange with him uh, in, in this whole, you know, during the whole day of the sentencing hearing. But, um, you know, he's kind of firing back at him, which I think is interesting as well, He's firing back at his uh, at those who have chastised him for doing what he's done, which I was kind of surprised that they allowed. But I mean, I don't know. It's not a it's not an actual like trial going on, and he's not he's not a lawyer anymore. He's a, a an inmate. But um, yeah, I thought that was interesting as well. Satterfield's cause her brother said that he helped raise Buster and Paul. She helped raise Buster and Paul, especially to Maggie. Yeah. We like jazz hands, guys. We like jazz hands. Jazz hands, jazz hands. <laughs> okay, here we go. Number one and number two. Lord knows he adored her. All my law partners. So he's apologizing to his law partners. You know, whose lives he destroyed, too, by the way. Now, I want to find... When he addresses his son, because he addresses Buster, which was really, um, really poignant to me. Yeah, so he 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 starts talking to um, Buster, and I'm going to fast forward it here. Because, and I am so sorry. You know, yeah. He talks about. Um, oh yeah, this is this is he talks no, about I'm his. Um, before we get into Buster, he talks about what a good guy he is for pleading guilty. I can tell you that through my attorneys, I have been asking for a plea offer since the very beginning. So again, the trying to sound magnanimous. I formally pled guilty within two weeks of receiving the very first plea offer. That was in this courtroom however many days ago. But I formally pled guilty. I mean, again, this is just, this is this grandstanding. This is this performance. And you've heard a lot of talk about the sentence. And I will tell you that the sentence that I'm agreeing to is harsher than I wanted. It's certainly harsher than I had hoped for. That's interesting, Cormac Neal. I will tell you that while I am pleading guilty for a number of reasons, all of which I believe are valid, none 
None of those reasons is more prominent than my hopes that seeing me punished will help each of you heal and begin to be able to put this behind you. Because I can see it. I mean, I can see. I can feel. I know what you've been through. And here he addresses Buster. But I sense it. Here he addresses Buster, and I've shared a lot because I'm I have a similar position to Buster Murdaugh um, in a lot of ways, and I kind of look at it through that unique perspective of his father, you know, blowing up his life, obviously. But um, you know, Buster has faced massive media chastisations, excoriation online, I just um, demonizing attacks, speculation, etc. And I do like that Alec addresses that, and he's going to in a second, but again, this all comes back to him and his lack of good decision-making, to say the least, really. <laughs> like, hello, man, like, you put everyone in this position. And I am so sorry. And I am so sorry. That's, this should be a drinking game, by the way. How many now times do you say sorry? A few different people. I don't think you make it to the end. With Buster. So here he is trying to compose himself to address Buster. Which, again, I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, he was, they had a very close-knit family, and his son has definitely been affected the most out of anyone. That is, that is living with his, with his father's crimes. Absolutely. Buster, I am. I am so sorry that I let you down. But yeah, you did let him down big time, big time, man. I am so sorry that I have not been able to be with you during such hard times. I am so sorry that I did so many things that are so contradictory to every single thing mom and I ever taught you and Paul. I so again, this is a tough and unenviable position that Buster Murdaugh is in. Is he's going to have to deal with this man for the rest of his life. 
and he's going to have to deal with this um, this scenario of creating doubt, but is also like taking accountability because I'm doing the right thing, right? But you're doing the right thing after you're caught is is the whole point of this. Like he's trying to make this almost into a lesson. And my father did this to me too. My father would do this from prison and say, oh, well, I did this and this. You should learn from me. And I'm like, I should learn nothing from you. You're a very intelligent human and I appreciate that. And, and there's great qualities I got from you, but I should learn nothing about behavior from you whatsoever. But, um, you know, because it often came without, like with my father would often come without an apology or an explanation too. It would be like, well, I did these things, but he wouldn't say, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for those things that I did. And if it was, I'm sorry, it was again, as we mentioned earlier, in the context of, well, I got caught, so therefore I'm sorry type of situation. It is baffling to me how these individuals think that they can continue to get away with this and that people believe them. But they're so good at manipulation. They're so good at drawing you in. He was a fantastic litigator. He's so good at drawing people in. And when you're so good at drawing people in like that, you can be easily manipulated. You can easily manipulate them and they can be easily manipulated. And again, I, you know, I, I've shared this throughout my life and this is what Buster has to, has to look, look forward to. And yeah, I mean, um, you bring up a good point, BJS. He has empathy for empathy for him, no doubt. He knows he failed. Sure. Absolutely. He I think I think that is probably the one thing that he does know. And that he might actually feel really bad for is the fact that he's done this to his son. But I don't think he comprehends the um I don't think he comprehends the damage that he's caused, for sure. Um I think a lot of people who are who are um who who are purveyors of this behavior, who are like this, like my father, they are just very, very, very destructive humans. A tin, a tin of tartan paint. Yes, he is a mass manipulator. Absolutely a master manipulator. And to get up there and to try to, you know, he's working a jury. He's he's literally working a jury without working a jury. This is, I believe. If there is an appeal or a retrial or something that happens with his case, this is to put him in a better light. It is no doubt. And he gets into it more, by the way. I'm so sorry. I am so very sorry that the things that I did and that I am pleading guilty to here today have somehow caused Some people, especially people on social media, and Plenty some of those people, people in the media, to somehow believe that based on the things that I did, that it is somehow okay to make false, baseless, unsubstantiated, claims against you that are not only based on no facts and no evidence whatsoever, but are also not based on any semblance of reality. 
So this is interesting because he's addressing, obviously, these rumors about the Stephen Smith case and other things. And um, uh, without directly saying this, of course. So that, uh, you know, he's, he's right in a lot of ways because he's addressing what is, you know, essentially media, essentially tabloid conjecture, conjecture, gossip, social media, Reddit forum, chatter, et cetera, et cetera. That is, that is going after Buster, which I think is unwarranted. Um, you know, there's, from what I've heard, there's no evidence connecting him with the death of Stephen Smith. Officially, he's not been charged, so we'll see how all that plays out. But as far as I know, there's been no evidence and there's been no charges filed against Buster Murdoch. So I do like that he is addressing that. But again, the whole point of all of this is you created this, pal. Your decisions are what led us to this point. That's, you know, and I, and I guess I'm appreciative of, of Buster, of him addressing Buster, of him addressing this. Again, as somebody who's been through this, I mean, this is just such a mind fuck for his son to just go through because it is, um, you know, it is a situation that he will be dealing with for the rest of his life. It's it's going to haunt him and it's going to, man, I just hope he has good people around him and he's a good therapist for sure because, um, yeah. So yes, Gen X Granny, people... And I am so sorry believe uh yeah and it is it is very difficult as gen x Randy says people believe what they want to believe it might be too hard for buster to face the fact that his dad took his mom and brother he could be in denial i agree with that 100 percent. and one of the things that i that i'm very grateful for is that i heard i mean that's grateful is a, is a is an interesting word to use in this scenario but that i heard my mother's life being taken so i know and i saw the behavior and I know what happened and, and gathering evidence with the police. And I was actively a part of that. So I know that happened, right? You know, Buster wasn't around. And so there is this, this part of, and, and I went through denial, by the way. I went through denial as a young man as trying to think, like, it was my father really capable? Could it have been as somebody, you know, uh, very comically commented, the, the, the one-armed man? Could it have been that, right? And, um, you know, I, I went through those same patterns of analysis, like, okay, well, here's all the facts. And you kind of start to gaslight yourself in a lot of ways, right? You kind of start to gaslight yourself. Like, is he, was he capable of this? Because you start to try to reconcile, well, could I be capable of this because of this? You know, I think that is the, the hardest thing when you are the son of a murderer who's taking the life of your, of your mother or your own family members. Like that is, that is absolutely the most hard, the most challenging and harrowing part is reconciling and creating that, that separation of I'm not that person. And it took me a long time to get there. It took me a long time to get there. Um, so I just pray for Buster. If somebody mentioned that uh, Buster was uh, maybe not in the courtroom. I believe he's in the back left-hand corner of the, um, of the courtroom. Um, yeah, by, or sorry, back. Yeah. So if he's facing the jury box, he's in the back left-hand corner by the television in the corner, I believe, because he has red hair. And I saw when I, when it blew, when I blew it up on my computer, I was like, oh, it must be him because his eyes are also directed that way. So I believe he was in the courtroom. Okay. He goes through all this, this whole apology and he, in, and basically he says, you know, here towards the end, 
he goes into this whole, and I don't know who this gentleman is, if this is his uncle or something, but he goes into this, how much I've disappointed you, and it's an understatement, et cetera, et cetera. When I tell you that it hurts me so much to know that I have disappointed you, and I know that that is an understatement. I now apologize to every single person who cares about Maggie and about Paul because I know that the things that I did that I'm pleading guilty here today allowed SLED and the Attorney General's office to focus on me and not to pursue the person or the people who hurt and killed Maggie and Paul Paul. And there it is. Right there. 42 minutes into this whole thing, it's a 50-minute diatribe he goes through. That's what it is. Again, he starts off with the whole thing, planting the seed of doubt. This, guy's a, this guy was a lawyer, a litigator for decades. He starts off with this whole nicey-nice thing. You know, I'm here, I'm taking responsibility, appealing to the members of the jury, right? And coming in and saying, you know, uh, you know, we, we grew up, we went fishing, you know, I know you're, you you knew my wife, by the way, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I would never harm them. You're wrong in that. And then later he wraps up his whole thing with this statement. I now apologize to every single person who cares about Maggie and Paul, because the, because I know the things that the things that I did that I'm pleading guilty here today allowed me to slip in allowed SLED and the Attorney General's office to focus on me and not pursue the person or the people who hurt and killed Maggie and Paul. Like, that's, that's it right there. There's the whole reason I think that this even happened. I hate to say it, and I, and I want the victims of the financial fraud to have peace with this because this is as close as it's going to get. It's like in my film, A Murder in Mansfield. When I'm spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, like my father doesn't admit to murdering my mother. He does what's it's it's interesting because this is called like a rolling confession, right? When somebody sort of says, Well, I'm responsible for this. So he's saying, you know, and my father used that with me for years. Oh, I'm responsible, you know, well, in the film, he says, I'm responsible. When he went to get out on parole, he told me he was responsible for my mother's death. And then in the film, he tells this whole story about you know, the story changes and the whole thing. It's, it's wild, but it always has this, um, this sort of air of um, this rolling confession. There's little facts in there, but again, he blames it 
on his actions that he did, which led him to slip, which was the drug abuse or usage that he claims that put him in this position, that made him do this, that made him a suspect in the murders. It's, you know, I'm surprised the judge let him go this far because this to me is a way to tell the public, you, you know, to try to, to try to plant those seeds of doubt because he didn't represent himself at trial. He had his lawyers. So he is now in, in a way representing himself. That's what I think this was all about. And I hate to say it. I hate to take away anything from what the victims have gone through. But I started off feeling one way when I watched this and then it slowly changed. And then this is the, you know, the end of his, of his whole statement and his whole diatribe is summing this up again. That to me, I don't know. We'll see. What do you, but it's not about what I think. It's about what do you guys think? Let me know in the comments below. You guys have been commenting. Yes, the innocent card was played. Absolutely, it was. It was, it was played. It's a soliloquy, it's soliloquy and he's talking to the audience, the jury pool. Absolutely. And he's a master manipulator. And I think we've just seen that play out right here in the courtroom. I mean, this is, um, this is what he wanted and he got it. Now, whether this leads to anything, obviously there's a lot of, as they say, a lot of baseball to play. There's a lot of things that have to happen. Um, if he even gets a retrial or even gets an appeal or whatever, that's all, you know, obviously speculation at this point. And if there was any, you know, malfeasance or wrongdoing, by Becky Hill or by the jury or, or any evidence of jury tampering remains to be seen, right? But if this comes back to a retrial situation, mark my words, this is, this is going to come back into play. This was, a, this was a tee up for his profession of his innocence to plant seeds of doubt in anyone's mind moving forward. That's what I think. Um... Marie Hathaway, thank you so much for the super sticker. I greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's a chess game. Absolutely, Kelly Evans. It's a chess game, and it is a manipulation. I don't know about you guys, but I cannot wait to see the guys go over this on the behavior panel. It will probably take a week or more for them to get to it. I don't know what the behavior panel is, but I'll have to check that out. Um, but yeah, that is my takeaway on the Alex Murdaugh on Alec Murdoch's um, apology yesterday at his sentencing hearing. And the judge, and the judge, um, you know, again, chastises him at the end about substance use and abuse, like he did, much like he did at the end of his trial as well. He also said uh, at the end of his murder trial, also had said to him, uh, you know, that he doesn't even recognize the man that he sees before him and that, that he didn't, that this, this person, this monster that was created, because obviously the judge had been in, in, you know, a seated judge for a long time. He, obviously, all these people had interactions with Alec Murdoch. So it's just really, we'll see what unfolds. I'll do another little analysis of this at another time, but I think this is just, um, uh, it is just, yes, uh, absolutely, Catherine Pertz. It is a little too late for sure. But again, I think this was all a move to, Plant seeds of doubt, sow seeds of doubt if there is a retrial or an appeal that leads to a retrial or an exoneration or whatever. It's there to sow seeds of doubt. And I'm sure, Judge, this I believe is Judge Newman's last uh, 
last foray into the Murdaugh case. So I think he's uh, he's going to either retire or just say, I, you know, I'm, I'm not dealing with any of this anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, that is my take on it's just, it's wild. This story is just so wild. Anyways, I want to say thank you all so much to all my channel members, all my channel subscribers, all of my uh, YouTube and, pay, uh, sorry, all of my YouTube members and Patreon members. Thank you all so much for your support. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Please remember to click the like and subscribe button down if you like this, if you like this podcast, if you like this show, if you like this input, this knowledge that I'm giving you guys, please, my perspective, please, please click the like button and think about supporting the channel as well. Um, if you are doing your holiday shopping, please remember I have a, I have a, um, uh, Amazon, uh, I'm an Amazon affiliate and I am able to get commissions and affiliates, uh, affiliate commissions for any of your purchases for the holiday. If you use Amazon, like everyone pretty much does, um, you can use that. The link is below in the description box and it costs nothing to support the show. So I thank you so much. Um, on that note, Mover Nation, we got through another one. I stuttered through it. I haven't got much sleep last night. But um, thank you so much for, for tuning in, for supporting, and um, I look forward to seeing you all again. Remember, I go live every Wednesday and Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, and also new videos, new episodes of Survivor Squad podcast are out Tuesdays, or sorry, Thursdays and Fridays, and new episodes of my podcast are out as well on Fridays. Um, on that note, Mover Nation, I'm calling your Landry. I'll see you on the next one. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. For exclusive content around this podcast, please consider supporting me via Patreon by going to collierlandry.com forward slash support. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, and please leave us a five-star review. If you want to see video episodes of this podcast, please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash collierlandry. You can find links to additional resources in the show notes of today's episode. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Copyright, Collier Landry.